welcome back to the Asimov cast. Short bursts of joy, thoughtfulness and inspiration from the works of Isaac Asimov. I'm Lossie. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast or email to asimovcast at gmail.com. This week we'll be covering the stories Let's Get Together and Mirror Image. Are you ready for some laws? Maybe three of them? Our first story is Let's Get Together. It was first published in 1957 in the February issue of Infinity Science Fiction. After a century of peace, Elias Lin, chief of the Bureau of Robotics, is visited in Cheyenne by a security officer from Washington. What once had been a Cold War with the East, or Reds, or the Soviets, or the Russians, was now considered to only be a game between we and they. The security officer, called Breckenridge, is here to report that they have made extraordinary progress with robotics, whilst we have only made some experimental humanoid robots. They have made robots that can already pass as humans. The threat is not that robots could invade the USA, but that they already have. There has been cross-fertilisation of scientific researchers for decades in every discipline, but not, it seems, for robotics, and they have been hiding how far advanced they are, and we have been complacent. Lynn goes to Washington for a presidential security summit. The worry is that the ten humanoid robots they believe to be in the USA could meet up and commit an act of terrorism to destroy New York City in the winter after a blizzard, for example. Finding them is very difficult. It's trying to find 10 needles in a haystack of 220 million. They can create a replica of a human being with their personality and memory, basing them on original humans that they have captured. It's down to Lynn to come up with a solution to find them. Lynn starts to speculate that a single bomb is of very little value in the scheme of things and would breach a piece that's otherwise been useful. Equally, diverting all the nation's focus into trying to track this down would be a dramatic use of resource and, should it get out, might easily lead to a panic, both of these being far more expensive than the potential for a single bomb's destruction. The science liaison doesn't agree, however, and plans are made for all the senior scientists in the country to go to Cheyenne and try to address the challenge. Lynn is making preparations when more and more of this starts to worry him. Finally, it comes to him in a flash. The purpose is not a bomb in a city, which, whilst a tragic loss of life, uh, is just one bomb, but actually to try and kill off as many scientists as possible. The robots have been smuggled into the country as replacements for scientists who were on exchange, and it was Breckenridge who set the whole thing up. As reports come in about scientists simultaneously exploding on their way as they came towards the... Cheyenne Summit. Once the setup has been exposed, Lynn realises that Breckenridge isn't just a traitor who sold them out, but is actually the 11th robot. Lynn shoots him and sees machine oil leaking out. The things that made me uh, think or inspired me, the sort of we and they of them is, um, I think, an interesting way that Asimov uh, takes this. It sort of denudes it from there being any ideology it's just becomes tribal 
Um, there's obvious parallels uh, in the story in terms of terrorism and paranoia that um, actually it's not the bomb that's that's the scariest thing. It's the threat of the bomb and what impact that might have. Um, we don't have to look too much further uh, beyond when this story was written um, to see what actually happens when that when there is a bomb. There's 220 million U.S. population, uh, which I think is cute, given that it's currently 330 million. Um, it's interesting that they can't create a, a person from scratch for this robotics, that the actual, uh, whilst their robotic and positronic brains are very clever, uh, they can't, from whole cloth, create a, uh, the memories and personality of a human. They have to take a copy in order to um, to reprogram and, and be done. Um, and then finally, um, the fact that he, he shoots and there's machine oil leaking out is a little bit, uh, if if you shoot us, do we not bleed? Albeit, we bleed oil. Um, where I found joy, um, I wouldn't say there's a huge amount of joy in this, um, but um, I like a good old-fashioned spy thriller, so um, I'm going to call this Tinker Tailor Soldier Robot. Our second story is called Mirror Image. Uh, it was first published in 1972 in the May issue of Analog Science Fiction and Fact. Uh, this is the first story I'm touching on that includes Elijah Bailey and R. Daniil Olivor from the Asimov novels The Caves of Steel and The Naked Sun. Uh, it is also our first brush with all three laws of robotics. Uh, so if you've been waiting for some robotic laws, let's recap what those are. The first law... A robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. Second law. A robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Third law. A robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So in this story, Elijah Bailey is smoking his pipe in his office. And he is surprised by his old friend R. Daniil Oliver. The R in this case stands for robot. Daniil has come to ask his friend's assistance with a dispute amongst mathematicians on a spacer starship, the society of people who have colonized other planets and who oftentimes hold Earth and Earth based people in, let's just say, contempt. Uh, there are two mathematicians Dr. Sabbat is young, but Dr. Humboldt is in his 27th decade, spacers living much longer lives. This is not a case of murder, but of each mathematician trying to destroy the other's reputation. Dr. Humboldt has claimed to have an, had a remarkable insight and discovery, which they excitedly discussed with Dr. Sabat. Only when they came to publish it, they discovered that Dr. Sabat was already submitting a paper. Dr. Sabat claims exactly the same, only with the names reversed. Bailey suggests multiple options, including trials, splitting the difference, psychic probes... None will suffice, and there is insufficient time to wait it out. The scandal coming out would itself cause a miscarriage of justice, tainting the innocent party. So it seems there is an impasse. There are, however, robot witnesses, the servants of each mathematician, but neither will meet Elijah and risk being sullied by the touch of an earthman. Daniil implores his friend, and finally, reluctantly, Elijah accepts his part in this. This is a logic puzzle for truths and negatives amid the three laws of robotics. Elijah interviews both in sequence, 
exploring each robot's logic in truth and in lie, but pitching a situation where the other robot's master would suffer more. In creating this conflict in the Three Laws programming, he is finally able to identify the culprit. He sends a robot, Dr. Humboldt's robot, into logical stasis. Faced with this, Dr. Humboldt confesses. Elijah admits, however, this was not a perfect plan. In fact, the asymmetry of the robots was less than the asymmetry of the humans. It was already highly unlikely the young Dr. Sabat would risk this, and equally unlikely that the Dr. Humboldt would consult with a young colleague. Things that inspired me or, or made me think. Um, firstly, um, 27th decade, uh, very long-lived, um, makes me think of... Um, who wants to live forever? Um, uh, this is a really interesting, I think, part of human psyche. I think there are people who very much see, I guess, a three score in 10 years as a lifetime and are happily done with that. And there are people who will cling to, to life and, and want to live above and beyond. Uh, I'm not sure either is right. Uh, and I'm not sure it's entirely easy to judge until you're in that situation. I think myself as a in my early 40s, um, would like to think of this as more of um, a quarter life than a half life. Uh, but we shall see how things progress. Um, Elijah, when he's trying to sort of initially get out of being part of this, has a bit of a Wisdom of Solomon sort of moment, um, trying to let them both share the credit. But uh, this itself um, would cause the injustice to the uh, innocent party. And um, uh, overall, this is a logic puzzle. It's a mirror, um, as the uh, as the uh, the tale is told, uh, or is called, I should say. Um, Elijah understands this inherent asymmetry in a mirror reflection. Um, ultimately, someone is lying. There is not a. This is not a perfect uh, situation, and he exploits this to create a break. Um, also, he harms the robot with little compunction, though, even though he's clearly friends with Daniil, and so he treats robots with with shall we at least say some semblance of humanity um he's happy to cause a logical stasis loop uh, and is not not clear at all that uh, that the robot uh, in this uh, stasis uh, ever escapes uh, where i found joy um there's always some joy in seeing some pettiness in academia um, as um, I'm sure my friends in academia would recognize um, I enjoy Elijah and Daniil's friendship um, and how warm it is um, and I'll be honest ultimately the nature of this case had me sort of varying between um, Encyclopedia Brown and Benoit Blanc um, but given that Elijah Bailey is uh, occasionally known to spout Jehoshaphat uh, as a uh, as an expletive I'm now thinking of him more on the Benoit Blanc mode of things and thank you for joining me you can find me at mean Englishman on Twitter you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast the theme music is courtesy of Alexei Chistillon from Pixabay Please email your thoughts, what inspires you, where you find joy in Asimov, and if you want to live forever, to asimovcast at gmail.com. Next week, I'll be covering the Tercentenary Incident and First Law. Go now. Do not harm humanity, or, by inaction, allow humanity to come to harm.